In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins, for the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Tomorrow the Church celebrates once again the great solemnity of all saints in which we look to heaven and we see all those lives who have been triumphantly saved by Christ, all those souls who have corresponded to grace in one way or another and have made it to heaven, have made it home to their fulfillment in heaven. And this is very important for us that that's our goal, our goal in life is eternal life. Our goal in this life is to make it to heaven. And we get to heaven by becoming a saint ourselves, by letting Christ's grace work in our life, to change us little by little, by continuing to trust him, to move forward in faith, so that eventually when we die, we die in God's friendship. If we need some extra work in purgatory, a little summer school, we go and do that. And eventually we we make it. We make it to heaven if we die in God's friendship. We ourselves become saints. The canonized saints are those who the church has looked at their lives and said that they lived so close to God and they suffered and purified themselves so well on earth that they jumped over purgatory, that they didn't need that remedial session. They didn't need any more work in purgatory to be with God, to be with you, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that should be our goal. Our goal should be to jump over purgatory, to meet Christ and to follow him closely on earth so that when we die, we belong in heaven, we belong with him. So that when we die because of our voluntary purification here, accepting the sufferings of growth and the sufferings that our Lord sends us with love and trust, we're ready. We're ready for heaven. St. Paul helps us with this. Today is Halloween, All Hallows Eve. And on Halloween, we will be visited by trick-or-treaters in our homes, perhaps ourselves dressing up in some costume. And St. Paul talks about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. He says that in writing to the Romans. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, what a beautiful way of thinking about sanctity, about this call to holiness that we have. And an appropriate way when we think about today's custom of dressing up in costumes. To clothe ourselves with Jesus Christ. To try to take on his dispositions, his mind, his heart, his priorities, his habits. Lord, today we ask you that we can do this as Christians, that we can clothe ourselves with you, to become truly in the, in the phraseology of the church's liturgy, alter Christus, ipse Christus, another Christ, Christ himself. So that when someone looks at us, Lord, they can say, that person's a Christian. They're not perfect. None of us are. They have their struggles. They have their weaknesses. 
but they pray and they trust in God, and they're trying to live an upright life. They're trying to serve others. They're trying to make their life an imitation as close as possible to that beautiful model of Jesus Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. A number of years ago, I was visiting a nursing home around Halloween, and families were coming and bringing their children to visit their relatives or friends in the nursing home, and the children were dressed up in costumes. It was kind of a trick-or-treat slash Halloween day at the nursing home. And in the parking lot, I ran into a young mother with two young children, and one of the younger children was this little girl, she's about five or six years old, and she was dressed in this very pretty red dress, and she had her hair done up in these long blonde braids. And so I took a stab at, at her costume. I said, oh, you must be Little Red Riding Hood. And she looked at me with a kind of sadness and disappointment and said, no, I'm Cindy Lou Who from The Grinch. And I said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. And then I looked at her little brother who was there with her. He was about three or four years old. And his costume was just this green kind of ball of fur. I couldn't make heads or tails of it. And so not wanting to make another mistake, I said, oh, and, and who are you? And the mother looked at me a little bit disappointed, but also with a tone of sympathy. And she said, Father, that's the Grinch. And so today, many people will be asked that question. Who are you? Or who are you supposed to be? Or what are you supposed to be? If their costumes aren't always self-explanatory or evident, they get that question. Who are you supposed to be? And that's a great question, not just for costumes, but in our Lord's presence. Lord, who am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be? And the answer is a saint. The answer is a son or daughter of God. The answer is a Christian, another Christ. Ipse Christus, alter Christus. Because with the help of grace and with our freedom, with our use of time, with the struggles we go through in life patiently, trusting in our Lord, we become more and more like Jesus Christ. We put on our Lord Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, help us to remember that we have the support of the saints, the support of their intercession, the support of their example, their encouragement from heaven. The letter to the Hebrews talks about this encouragement that the saints give us from heaven. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This passage always strikes me. This passage always, in a certain sense, blows me away. This description of Jesus undergoing his passion for the sake of the joy 
that was set before him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. And Jesus suffers willingly, and he suffers for joy. He suffers for the joy set before him, the joy of being exalted by God in heaven and being with all of us in heaven, all of those that he's won redemption for by his cross. But before that, on the occasion of tomorrow's feast day, we have this wonderful idea. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. That cloud of witnesses is the communion of the saints, the saints in heaven, encouraging us on. And that helps us to run bravely in this race of life, to persevere, to endure difficult times, knowing that we're being cheered on by the saints in heaven. Just as marathon runners are cheered on by those lines of fans and family members who line the roads to, t to encourage them, you keep going, you can, <laughs> you can do it. Hey, keep going. Don't give up. We're here for you. We're encouraging you. And the saints encourage us not just because they've made it to heaven, but because they've made it and they had to go through the same life that we had to go through. The saints, St. Josemaria would often say, the saints were ordinary people like me and you. But they let God into their life and they kept trying, and they never gave up, and they got up after every fall. And they kept looking for God in their life. They kept trusting Him. They kept starting over. But they were ordinary people like, like you and I. And yet, Lord, they met you, and they let you into their life, and, and they let you into the mess of their life. <laughs> and, and from there, from that mess of their life, they decided to start trusting you more and to love others. In any moment of our life, we can do what is essential for sanctity. No matter what we're going through, no matter what our history is, no matter the challenges before us, no matter how difficult our circumstances are, we can always do what is essential for sanctity because we have Jesus in our life and we have his grace in our life. And what is that? We can always trust God. We can always make an act of faith. We can always make an act of hope. We can always look for someone to love. For the sake of God. We can always try to love God directly by offering Him whatever we're going through. Sanctity is universal because we're not just because everyone's called to it. It's not just a universal call to holiness because we're all capable of it. That's absolutely true. But it's also a universal call to holiness because at any moment in my life, no matter how bad I'm, I am right now, even if I'm in a state of sin, I'm called to holiness and I can do what's essential for holiness. I can tell God I'm sorry and make an act of contrition and start over, which is also an act of love for God and an act of trust. And those are the two essential things, to believe in God, to trust Him, and then try to love Him. And the saints with their biographies, it's very encouraging that these great saints who we honor for their nearness to God and who we venerate for their generosity with God and with others. Well, they had messed up lives and they had messed up situations. And that's where Christ met them and, and that's what he worked with 
to make them saints. There's a kind of a irreverent prayer that goes like this. St. Peter, perjurer. St. Mary Magdalene, prostitute. St. Paul, persecutor. Pray for us. Right, that Peter was a perjurer. (laughs) Peter was a traitor. St. Mary Magdalene was a dissolute sinner. St. Paul was basically a murderer. I mean, a state-sanctioned murderer, but he consented to the death of St. Stephen, persecuted the Church of God. And yet, what three great saints? St. Peter, the rock, dies for Christ. St. Mary Magdalene, who is the first at the tomb, loves Christ so much. St. Paul sets the world on fire with his zeal after his conversion. The saints are not perfect. Their lives are messy. They have their pasts. And we too, Lord, our lives are messy. We have our limitations. We suffer from illnesses. Could be mental illnesses. Could be physical illness. We have our bad habits. We have maybe a messy family history or a difficult situation in our life now. And yet, Lord, you meet us there and you want to convert us there. Help us to find you there, Lord, and always try to do what's essential for sanctity, what's essential for this great vocation, to trust you in whatever's happening, to turn to you when we sin, and to try to love once again, to try to love you, Lord, with our prayer life and love others. The lives of the saints are so helpful. St. Jane Francis de Chantel, for instance, suffered from anxiety and suffered from depression. And she found in St. Francis de Sales someone who could help her with that. And she went to different spiritual directors and some of them weren't helpful. Then she found someone who understood her and understood that she was a great soul. But she was a great soul not because she was perfect and not because she never suffered fear. On the contrary, She sanctified her illness, her mental illness, that anxiety, that depression that she experienced. That was the matter which she brought to her prayer and she brought to her Christian struggle and became a great saint. St. Augustine, the great St. Augustine, the greatest theologians, the greatest saints in our church's history. As we know, he didn't convert until he was 31 And before that, he had serious problems with lust. He even prayed at one point, as we know, he writes in the Confessions, that before his conversion, he prayed, Lord, grant me chastity and continence, but not yet. That double mind that he had, that he knew what he had to do, he knew he should convert, but he was bound by that sin, almost like an addiction. And in these times of ours, so many people suffer from addiction and at times the addiction of lust, sexual addiction. And we can look to St. Augustine and encourage people not to lose hope. That God can still convert you. He can call you to be a saint. Nothing is lost. You can overcome with his help and with your own determination, with his grace. You can overcome that vice of lust, that vice of a lack of chastity, just as St. Augustine did. St. Therese of Lisieux, that little flower, we tend to think 
of her as so innocent, so perfect as she was. <laughs> she didn't commit a mortal sin her whole life, apparently. And yet she struggled. She had to struggle, especially at the end of her, of her life. Our Lord let her undergo a great trial of faith. She had terrible thoughts that God didn't exist, that God had given up on her and on the world. And she, and she had to really struggle to believe. And she would say, I believe because I want to. Not because she was feeling anything or not because God was giving her special graces. She was just hanging on with her will to that, to that faith of hers. Faith in you, Lord Jesus. And so in our own times, we can have similar thoughts. We can have a similar experience. Where is God? Where is this world going to? Why are there so many problems? Why is there so much tension? Why are basic truths that seem so obvious, not obvious to so many people? It's doing so much damage to souls, to the youth, to lives. And in the midst of all that, maybe like St. Therese, at times we can think, is this Christianity thing real? Why isn't it helping more people? Why isn't it taking more hold in people's hearts or minds? Why is there such confusion? Where is God? Those are thoughts that are part of God's plan for us. If God didn't want us to have them, we wouldn't have them. That doesn't mean we entertain them or we make them worse on purpose or we, we give in to them. But it could be part of God's plan for our sanctification, just like he let St. Therese, a great saint, one of the greatest, the doctor of the church, he let her go through those great trials of, of lack of faith, of temptations to doubt. So that too could be part of our messiness, part of the brokenness that God will make us a saint by healing, by us struggling through. The great St. Francis of Assisi, who again we think of as this kind of perfect imitation of Christ. Well, he wasn't always that way. He grew up spoiled. He was materialistic. He was kind of a partier. He was vain. He was frivolous. And then God met him and changed him. But he had to struggle through that. He had to go and renounce his inheritance and go through a struggle interior struggle with his family, big fight with his father. But he started out, like many of us, worldly, a little bit vain, prone to pleasure-seeking. And God used that personality, used that history to turn him into St. Francis of Assisi, a great saint, a great lover of Christ. At the time of the canonization of St. Josemaria, then Cardinal Ratzinger, wrote an essay about St. Josemaria and about the spirit of Opus Dei. Opus Dei, of course, calls all people to holiness. It's there to remind many people that they're called to holiness, this close union with Christ. And Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict now, wrote this. He said, A heroic virtue does not mean that a saint performs some type of gymnastics of holiness something unattainable by normal people. It means rather that in the life of this person, God's presence is revealed. That is, what a person cannot do by himself is revealed. Perhaps in the final analysis, it is a question of terminology, since the adjective heroic 
has been misinterpreted. And so saints are those who the church judges have lived a life of heroic virtue. And Cardinal Ratzinger is here saying that we shouldn't understand that as something superhuman in the sense of incredible, unbelievable feats of heroism, feats of, of virtue, or kind of perfectionism, which excludes all defects or all need to struggle. Heroic virtue, the, the Pope clarifies for us, heroic virtue, properly speaking, doesn't mean that one has done great things by oneself, but rather that in one's life realities appear that one has not done on one's own, because that person let God enter and made himself available for God's work. In other words, to be a saint is simply speaking with God as a friend speaks with a friend. This is holiness. The call to holiness, Lord, our call to put you on, is not a call to do things that we're incapable of doing by ourselves without you. Rather, it's just simply a call to let you into our life, to let you work on our defects, to let you increase our faith in you, our faith in God, and our ability to serve others, our willingness to serve others. To speak with you as a friend, Lord, and let that friendship transform my life. To be holy doesn't mean to be superior to others. Pope Benedict goes on. The saint can be very weak with many mistakes in his life. Holiness is this deep contact with God, becoming a friend of God. It is letting the other work, the only one who can really make this world of ours both good and happy. When Jose Maria Escrivá speaks of the calling of all men and women to holiness, I think deep down he is drawing on this personal experience of his, of never having done incredible things by himself, but simply letting God work. And thus was born a renewal, a force for good in the world, even if all human weaknesses will always remain present. Truly, we are all capable of this. We are all called to open ourselves to God's friendship, to not leave His hands, to never tire of turning and returning to Him, speaking with Him as one speaks with a friend, with the certitude that the Lord really is a true friend of everyone, including all those who cannot do great things by themselves. What a helpful consideration, Lord Jesus, in your presence, that truly you are calling me to holiness, but you're calling me to holiness with my weaknesses, through my weaknesses, with the messiness of my life, whether that messiness is found in my family history, or my relationship to others right now, or in some bad habit or some illness that I'm going through, mental or otherwise. Lord Jesus, in spite of all that, and with all that, you're asking me to be your friend. You're asking me, Lord, to calmly try to trust you in whatever's happening. You're asking me, Lord, to follow you, to say, okay, given all that I, I have and I am right now, and all my weaknesses and all my emotions and everything that is on my plate in my life with its strong points and its weak points, what's next, Lord? What's next for me and you as a Christian? What do you want from me? And no matter where I am in my life, 
I can be sure of this, that you love me, Lord, that you want to be my friend, and then I can take a next step forward, a next step of trust, perhaps, or acceptance, a next step of a service, a next step of, of looking for your will, finding someone, perhaps, who can help me discern your will in my life, and moving forward. To be holy doesn't mean to be superior to others. The saint can be very weak, with many mistakes in his life. Holiness is this deep contact with God, becoming a friend of God. We have the universal call to holiness, Lord Jesus, because you've called us all your friends, because you died on the cross for all of us, because the faith is offered to all of us. Lord, thank you for this great confidence that you have in me, that I could be your friend, that I can imitate you, that I can put you on, of course, <laughs> with your help relying on me. Jesus says this in the Gospel of John, right? He says, Without me, you can do nothing. I am the vine, you are the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. But united to him, right, we can bear much fruit. We can bear much fruit. Fruit of apostolate, fruit of virtue, fruit of prayer, fruit of love of God, fruit of a great trust in God when, when, when we're tempted to discouragement, we're tempted to doubt, right? Fruit of a great faith to insist, no, God exists and God is bigger than this world. And God is more powerful than the problems of this world. And he's the solution, not the problem. What a great fruitful thing that would be if we all took a step forward in this together as a church on this feast of all saints. Lord, what a great thing it would be if I personally could let you into my life. And thus in my life, there could be this renewal as Benedict describes Opus Dei. And thus was born a renewal, a force for good in the world, even if all human weaknesses will always remain present. Truly, we're all capable of this. If I just pray a little bit better, if I just trust God a little bit more with my situation, if I just make a step in charity to try to forgive someone, try to befriend someone, try to be more open with the gospel, to help others with the truth of the gospel, the truth of the church's teachings, I will be a source of renewal. I will let God into the world. I will become, with all my weaknesses, all my hang-ups, all my problems, I will become a great force for good in the world. Again, not because of what we're doing, but because of God's presence in our life. Because we let God do great things in us and through us with all of our weaknesses. Lord Jesus, thank you for reminding us of these great truths. As you say in the gospel, the healthy don't need the doctor, but the sick do. And you've come to call sinners, not the righteous. And we precisely in our weakness, in our brokenness, in our very sinfulness, are the sick that are in need of the doctor. And you, Lord, are the doctor. You are the soter, the healer. And you can bring us to heaven to be with all those saints forever, those saints who are encouraging us with their intercession, with their example, and also with their brokenness. Right When we consider all the saints, there's always something that was missing. Either they had to repent of some past life of sin or they had to struggle against some 
inherent character weakness or they had to put up with and forgive so many people who misunderstood them or persecuted them. There was always a point of struggle. And that point of struggle is precisely what made them holy, that they, that they trusted God in that thing that was difficult, that they worked on it with courage and with trust. We see this again and again and again with the saints. They all have struggles. They all have to struggle against their character. They have to struggle against temptation. They have to struggle against sin. And their lives were not always hunky-dory, right? They were messy. <laughs> they were messy, 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 messy. Because they're humans, because they're fallen. And that's why they needed Christ. And that's where they let Christ in. And we have to do the same thing. We go to Our Lady. Our Lady is the Queen of all saints. Queen of all saints. And on this Feast of all saints, we ask her, for the grace of letting God into our life more fully. Deciding right now, right now, given my situation, given everything in my life, how can I be a saint? Where is the opportunity to trust God more? Where is the opportunity to love God and others more? And that opportunity is always there. That's the universal call to holiness applied to our life. Universal for every person and universal also for every moment in my life. Our Lady, our Mother, Queen of all saints, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.